Good morning, LBC Radio. My name is Coy Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, Miss Ariella Hoover. Yes, good to be here. Ariella Hoover is a Lancaster native, count, count, a Lancaster County native, and a graduate of the Lancaster Bible College's vocal performance program. She loves working administratively in the arts, getting to combine many of her skills and passions into one job. As the operations manager of arts and culture for the Trust Performing Arts Center and Lancaster Bible College, she loves getting to be in the process from start to finish, from contract to concert. In her free time, you'll find her traveling, styling outfits, building relationships, spending time with her nieces and nephews, working on music, and pretending that the Olympics are still in reach. <laughs> yes, yes. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Corey? I'm doing great. So I know uh, just from us being kind of colleagues and uh, around each other a lot from uh, my time at Lancaster Bible mm-hmm. College, you grew up doing music and and sports. Yes. And so what was it when you were young that really got you in, invested in the music? Yeah, so that's a great question. I, I mean, I had... I had a family that was very encouraging of music, but I would say probably one of the most influential um, sources in my life for music was actually a great aunt or aunt, however you like to say that. My uh, maternal grandmother's sister really loved opera, actually. And so she owned this large 50-acre farm down in Maryland, and we'd go visit. And I'm, I kid you not, she had to have had thousands of CDs. And a lot of the CDs were, you know, classical and opera. And I would just sit there and go through them and play, play these CDs. And, you know, it, it really helped solidify to my young brain that I want to be an opera singer one day or like I want to I want to be in music. I want to I want to do this thing. Um, so. So, yeah, I really I, I liked it at home. And then I would go there and I would just, you know, di- dive in essentially. So opera, that's that's a. Uh a tangent from uh the, the main path right yeah well that that was you know when i was four and i sing in the bathroom because it had the best acoustics obviously oh, you know, nice. pretending <laughs> that you're an opera singer and so you got yeah it, that that was a dream for a really long time and and i always liked you know the musical theater realm and, and jazz as well so i kind of liked it all but i always thought you know I'd, I'd rather train for opera because you can go from the met to broadway you can't really go from broadway to the met so mm. I always wanted in my head to train for the highest level because then you can do it all, so to speak. So what were your favorite operas? Oh, there's so many. I'm a big fan of Puccini and a lot of a lot of his operas. I like um, Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro, of course. But I would say, yeah, I, I tend to gravitate. Now, you know, his operas, they need very big voices. So I, I don't sing Puccini as well as some would. <laughs> um, but, you know, Mozart and Puccini and there's so many. There's so many. So how did you, as a as a small town Lancaster, get to be able to do opera around here? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say the first opera I was in was with Opera Lancaster. Um, they were doing a production of La Boheme when I was a senior in high school. And I had always, you know, watched them. We also got to go to the Met with my class um, from tiny little, you know, Veritas Academy. <laughs> we took a, a, a field trip up to see... Um, Tosca, I believe it was at the Metropolitan Opera House, which was also awesome. Um, but yeah, as a senior, I, I'd been following Opera Lancaster a little bit and they're no longer really, they don't even hardly exist anymore. Uh, but I, I was like, I want to be in an opera and make sure that this is something that like, I really w- could see myself doing one day, you know? So that was, that was a really neat experience. But prior to that, I was just doing some concerts and stuff and I was taking voice lessons. And so, yeah, 
there's not, you know, it's not New York. So, and, and opera in general is not, you know, as widespread maybe as some genres, but uh, yeah, but it was neat. I got to be part of that experience and I was like, this is really cool. I'd like to keep studying it. So, so at what point did you get into, um, well, I guess opera is also musical theater in, in a sense. Yeah, in a sense, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you you decided um, to come to Lancaster Baba College. Why? Yeah, I mean, I I I love the Lord. I thought it'd be really cool to study more Bible as well. Um, and then I I liked the fact I, I liked the program that they had here. I even though I really liked music and opera, I didn't have like a super strong base necessarily in. Um, theory, music theory and things like that. And I thought that this is a place that I could learn from that and not be, you know, overly intimidated by. And I think I could I could pick up a lot here at Langston Bravo College. So I decided to come here for vocal performance. Um, and I had done a lot of musical theater in high school and, you know, and some community theater and stuff as well. But again, keeping with that whole let me train as the highest I can with my instrument and then go from there. Um, that's why I chose vocal performance instead of musical theater. And then I mixed in the electives as well, you know, like the dance and and things like that, just so that I could be as well-rounded as possible. So so tell me about your time here at LBC. What were some of the advantages you took you took advantage of or some things that you might have wished you took more advantage of? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question, too. So um, I, I enjoyed the we did. I, I was able to be in a bunch of opera workshops while I was here. I also did more operas with Opera Lancaster, which was really neat. Um, and that was neat to, that they had like a really good relationship with that. Um, and then my teacher for the second half of my time here at LBC as a student was Heidi Shannon, and she had a lot of connections in that world as well in this area. So she, she would come up with, um, opportunities as well. Like I remember one time, I think I was a senior by this point, maybe a junior. And she goes, Hey, Opera Lancaster is doing something for that extra give. It was like when the extra give was just starting in Lancaster, the big, you know, nonprofit giving day. She said, they want someone to sing a few songs. And I know it's next week, but I think you can learn them that quickly. <laughs> so that was a, that was just, you know, neat things like that. And then I got to do um, Opera Lancaster. I know it sounds like we mostly did things with Opera Lancaster, but, you know, that that's where we're at is Lancaster. But they did a really neat community like school outreach thing while I was uh, a senior as well of the three little pigs so it was basically like a stripped down like the story of the three little pigs but using opera arias it was really cute so i got to do that and we got to tour that to local you know elementary schools and middle schools and things so those are some definitely some highlights i would say of of my time here at langston Bible college but also just learning more about the voice you know and what yeah i just really like to work and I like to study hard and I like to know the intricacies of things. So something like a vocal performance degree is neat because you're really stripping down like all like what is what is your voice doing at this moment? What, how how would you fix that? How you know how do you do things how do you sing healthy and <laughs> more about you know the anatomy of the voice and yeah it was just really neat to just like dig in, you know, get to know more about that and languages. What's one of the more shocking things that you learned about the voice that you would have never thought to even think about? Oh, yeah. Um, I think what's in, if you can really strip away like the tension and, and all of that and the voice that I it's almost limitless, which is really interesting. You can do so much with it. And the more you know about it, I think the more you can do with it, too, because if you know how to sing tension free, for example, and healthily, like you really can intentionally modify 
for different genres and different styles of singing and sing that way probably for life and not have much damage on it, you know? So just learning what it's capable of, especially when you're singing with good technique was so fascinating. How long do you think it it took you to get uh, a handle on your own voice? Oh, I think I'm still trying to get a handle on my own voice, to be honest. But I I do remember, so I had um, uh, a different teacher my freshman and sophomore year, and she was really great. Um, and she taught me so much, but, um, she was certainly more on like the musical theater side of things too. Like she, she had studied opera as well, but that like musical theater was probably a little bit more of her, um, genre. So when I got with, um, Heidi Shannon, she was really more of like the, like, let's really figure this out, you know? And so I also joined with her late and I ended up doing like a senior recital in February of my senior year, even though I pushed for May as many seniors might like, give me all the time I can, you know, but I would say I was really just hitting my stride probably the second semester of my senior year. So my last semester of college. And I remember uh, having my recital in February and by May, my teacher and I remarked, this would have been a completely different recital because I had just grown so much in those like final three months. And so there's a part of me that wishes I had gone from a master's, you know, or kept going right from there. Cause I think it could have been a different, could have been a different experience altogether. You know, had I done a recital then, or had I kept studying from then, cause I was just hitting my stride, I would say when I graduated. So, yeah. So, you know, here and there, I really am trying to still take lessons and learn more about it, but I would say I haven't arrived yet. I used to give myself time. I was like, oh, 36 is when you peak in, in classical music as a, as a female. I'm fine. I got time. <laughs> but now, you know, I've turned to that decade calendar and I'm like, oh, shoot, it's running out. It's no, <laughs> my peak is coming if it, you know, but. So uh, I really admire the fact that you were always like, oh, shoot for the stars and then get what you can. Mm-hmm. Um, what brought that philosophy onto you, do you think? Oh, yeah. You know, I- I'm sure some of it is just my personality and how the Lord designed me. But I think some of it too is, and I'm not saying you can't have this if you grew up in a small family, but I grew up with like a lot of siblings. I grew up in a big family. And I think that there's something about growing up in a big family where there's like just enough competition and enough observance and enough work to do that a lot of people I know who grew up um, with lots of siblings just have a pretty hard work ethic. Um, And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's some of it. I think just watching my older siblings work hard at things um, and then wanting to be like them or to be honest, sometimes, you know, you want to be better than them. That siblings, competition, yeah. right? So I think there was just this, I think it was modeled for me. Mm. Um, this, you go, you go hard and you do your very best at whatever the Lord has put in your life or whatever you're doing, you do your very best at it. And so it was modeled, I'd say. And so I just kind of was like, well, um, whatever I do, I want to I want to be the best I can, like the best version that Ariella can be at whatever I whatever I'm doing. So and and that's a great outlook because I know the inverse can often happen with giant families like this. Well, I'm right. a nobody in this, right. in this vast wealth of everybody's. I'm a nobody. That's a good point, too. Yeah, I could go either way, I suppose. So I'll I'll call it the grace of God then. That <laughs> it went the, went the let's just work hard way. <laughs> so and uh, I know I know one of, at least one of your other siblings went into music as well. Or, um, so, or uh, not not like as a, a major necessarily, but she did a lot of music. So I have an identical twin sister who uh, sings really well also and plays some keys. Though she'd never call herself a pianist, but she just has that ear, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also have another sister who studied violin and piano. So yeah, I mean, 
all of us had to take piano growing up, okay. at least, at the very <laughs> least. Now, I would not call myself a pianist, but it was my mom would always say, you got to take piano first. And then if you want to do something else, that's fine. But piano is your base, you know. Mm. So we all appreciated a lot and studied it, but I, I guess I'm the only one who probably really, you know, went for that degree and, and I'm still working in music, but yeah, my sister, my twin sister still, you know, sings at church sometimes and things like that. So. She's the, uh, one of the DJs over at WJCL. She is. Yes. She so. gets to be around it a lot. So, yeah. so, uh, you, you mentioned that you, you had this final push of your last semester and you maybe sometimes regret that you didn't have your recital then. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything you did after that to like fully encapsulate on your your achievement? You know, not not like I wish sometimes. Um, I, I kind of wish I had kept going because I, I was, you know, just starting to hit that stride. And there's something really like euphoric about that, you know, <laughs> you're mm -hmm. like, this is awesome. Wow. How far could I keep going? You know, and I kind of took a little break. I I. I I started working a lot and then there there got to be this point where like I still love music and I would love to um be I doing it even more than I am doing it right now but I also got to this point where I was like I think the Lord might have some other things in mind for me when mm. it comes to that. You know, I looked at I looked at the realm as well and I said I don't know if I want to be doing auditions all the time and not know when my next gig is. And cuz that's really where the work is, right? Like right. the fun part is actually doing the gig you booked. The work is is the auditions and the preparing for the auditions, you know, and all that. Um, so, yeah, I just I kind of went a different direction. I, I worked hard. I said, I'm going to take a little bit of time off from like pushing it. Um, I kind of wish I had kept that momentum going. But, uh, you know, I took a time off, paid my debts off, my college debts off, you know, and then looked around and I was like, well, shoot, I'm not at this probably at the same competitive level as to be honest, as, as those who've kept you know, with that momentum going forward, like they would tend to be booked probably instead of me, mm -hmm. you know, in this case. But so there's some things I would maybe do differently. But I also believe that like the Lord is sovereign and he has me here for a reason. Um, and I definitely still use my degree and just the knowledge I was able to gain through my music degree in what I do on a day to day. So that's exciting. I do feel like I'm bridging not only that area, but also some of the admin gifts the Lord gave me into what I do today. So. So what did you do instead of pursuing that? Yeah, for a time, I actually lived in Italy, which is, let's be real, basically the birthplace of opera. Um, so that was really special. I did get to catch a few while I was over there. Um, I, I lived over there for a time and worked for a study abroad program. Um, and then I also worked for a um, book publishing company that specializes in classical Christian education um, called Veritas Press on, on the phones. And I did help, you know, set a few concerts and organize some music for some of their graduation ceremonies and things like that. So I got to use it a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, I, I did that off and on for about between the two of them, Italy and Veritas Press. I, that took about four years of my life. And then I came back here. So what was it like over in Italy? What were some of the things that, that shocked you as, as a first time Italy goer? It is just a beautiful country. It, it really is. And, you know, I'm going to butcher this, so don't quote me on it. But there's something like 90, 80 or 90 percent of the world's like archaeology and, and artifacts and things like that are in Italy just because of like the culture that they had. Maybe 70 percent. Look it up. Look it up. It's really cool. It was I, I remember that. I, I mean, I never forgot that. It's been, you know, over 10 years since I was first there and seven years since I was living there for a longer period of time. But they just have so much history and just culture. And so it's just it's just beautiful because I think they're they're. Italian people, they know that they're, they're really proud of their heritage and 
all that they have to offer to the world. So just between that and just the landscapes and, you know, the coffee and the food <laughs> and the fashion, which I also love, and, you know, just the music. Oh, my word. It's, it's just it's a very rich place. I, I always encourage people to, to don't hesitate. Definitely go visit, you know, because I think it just really enhances your life in, in so many ways. I'm sure your your Italian got way better. It did, yes. Uh, but as my mom always says, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah, so right. I, I I do try to keep you know keep up with it a little bit now. But I I've, I've switched to French for the past three months. So which French I find difficult because there's a, so many letters that they drop. I'm still learning what, when, and all that. But it's it's been a fun journey. So we'll have to get back to that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so why did you come back to America? Well. That's a good question. I still dream of moving back to Italy, you know, more full time. But my family's here and that that was special to me. Um, the the time that I had signed up for the gig I was doing, the time was up. So I thought of, you know, going back, um, but I would have had to figure out a different way to do that, like with a different job or. So I said, you know, let me come back to America. Let me kind of take stock of where we're at. Do I want to you know, go to grad school for for music? Do I want to go back and live in Italy or what do I want to do? But um, yeah, but I went back to Veritas Press. I'd worked there a little bit in the summers uh, as a student towards my the end of my year and also love what they do. So I was excited to just be a part of that, at least for a time until I figured out what was next. So what do they do? Yeah. So they're a book publishing company that um, essentially writes books uh, for like the neoclassical or what's called classical education. There's kind of been a surge of that, I would say, in the last 25 years. Um, so they a lot of homeschool curriculum for students who and parents who wanted to, you know, take that route. So classical, right? You know, they're studying ancient Greece and, Ro uh, you know, in Rome and Latin and logic and the language of Greek, you know, and the great, great literature, great Western literature and books. And basically um, coming at studying from that perspective, so they have this thing called the trivium, right? So grammar stage, logic stage, and, and rhetoric stage. And I always thought it was a neat way because what, what it does, it's the philosophy of that education is that as students are growing, they're learning what they're not, the stage they're naturally in, right? So mm -hmm. we all know young kids are sponges, basically. Yes. So in the grammar stage, they would focus on facts, the who, what, where, when facts, you know? So it'd be like a lot of memorization, a lot of just straight facts because Kids just, you know, they Take pick it, it up. Yeah. And then the, that was like the K to six range, sixth grade range. And then your seventh through ninth grade range is when a lot of us, you know, we're starting to get a little more argumentative with the parents and things. So they <laughs> right. said, listen, now you have the facts. Now we're going to start teaching you how to reason with the facts that you've mm. already learned. Um, and so, yeah. And if you're going to argue anyway, let's teach you to do it well, at least. You right. know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you know, they get into the rhetoric stage and it was now that you have the facts and you know how to reason them. We're going to teach you how to present yourself, present your facts, how to read, like how to speak, how to um, write and um, how to present your views in, in, a, in a well, in a good manner, you know. Uh, and so that's that's what the 10th through 12th grade um, years would focus on. And so that's kind of I mean, there's so much that could be said about that. That might be, have to be another whole podcast, you yeah. know, but, but it, yeah. So I just really like that philosophy of, of education as well. And so I was really excited. I also went through that myself in, in high school. I studied that way. So I was like happy to just be able to assist families along the way. And we also had a fully accredited um, program part of it that you could also do. 
as a high school student where we'd give you like an actual transcript and diploma when you graduated. Mm -hmm. So by the time, by the end of my time with that um, company, I was their admissions counselor and helping with a lot of like the school admin side of things um, with that. So, so it was, it was crazy then when, when I felt like the Lord was saying, well, what about LBC? It brought this um, admin customer service side of things. It brought this educational thing because that's what I'd been working in. And also this music and was like, Hey, we could, basically put all three of these together in the job that I'm doing now. And I was like, it feels, I mean, I used to look at what I was, how, how the Lord had led me then and been like, this doesn't make any sense. Nothing could possibly bring all this together, you know? <laughs> and then this job came up and I said, oh, well, maybe, maybe that's why I did all the things that felt random at the time. It was preparing me for the next step in my journey, you know, or in my story. <laughs> So tell me about the trust, because uh, this, this is what we're alluding to. Mm -hmm. uh, how did and what is the trust? How did LBC acquire it? Yeah, so the Trust Performing Arts Center is a performing arts center where we do, um, we're, you know, we house several kind of venues within the venue, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Where we can do music, um, concerts, um, forums, so like you know, speaking engagements, um, theater, and the like, and. Yeah, it's a really neat story how how they acquired it. So back in 2013, um, friends of the college essentially purchased the Trust Performing Arts Center after it went up for sale, after it closed as the Lancaster Quilt and Textile Museum, because that's what it was most recently or before we acquired it. And they said, hey, we want to we want to give this um, building to LBC, but we want to see what they can do with it. Um, so in, in the next two years, we want to see how you could make it a performing arts center. And if we like what you've done with it after two years, then the building is yours. Mm. Um, I guess they liked what we did with it because here we are, you know, two years later, they, they gifted the Trust Performing Arts Center to Lancaster Bible College. Um, and so that was since then, we've just been well, actually, in 2013, I was still a student here, to be honest. So in 2014, when I mentioned my um, uh senior recital earlier, I, I got to be like the second person, the second student from Lancaster Bible College who had their senior recital at the Trust Performing oh, Arts nice. Center. So it was neat that I get to be now back there, you know, um, presenting current LBC students and, and more there. Um, but yeah, so so ever since then, we started a, like a performing arts series and Robert Bigley, who is the executive director and, and has been since the beginning. I mean, he he's like, I don't know what I'm doing, right? So we started <laughs> making connections. He started making connections in Lancaster, he reached out to Laura Kendall, <clears throat> excuse me, who was the uh, basically the executive director at the Ware Center, which is Millersville, Millerville, wow, Millersville's <laughs> downtown performing arts center. And, you know, she kind of mentored him. And yeah, we just with a lot of people in the community, we started bringing in artists and presenting them and doing doing an arts like a series, essentially. And we now call it like the arts and culture series, but we used to call it, you know, Trust Presents or um, trust concerts, you know, and we, basically it's all the same thing, but we now call it arts and culture presents because it embodies a little bit more now. Um, but yeah, so we've been doing that um, for almost 10 years now. Now, of course we had COVID in there. So we're trying to figure, you know, what season are we in or what, what year are we in? But pretty sure we're going to count it as if the 2024, 25 season will be our 10th anniversary season. So I was going to say, there's a little bit of a, a hiccup between... A little bit of haziness in there for, a little, for pretty much all of us, let's be honest. It affected everything, so... So, uh, when did you come into this job as uh, as the operations manager? Yeah, so I came in... Actually, as my title when I first got hired was guest services manager. So, 
like the box office and all that day of. Um, but now it's operations manager. Just during COVID, there was some shuffling. But I started in the fall of 2018. So I'm in my fifth season already somehow. <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about some of, some of the things that have gone on at the trust. You guys do art galleries as well as uh, performances that you've stated. You're more of a classical orientated mm -hmm. venue. What is it like to get those acts? How do you book those acts? Because they're doing everything everywhere all the time. Yes. Yeah. Good question. So, yeah. So we have a, um, I'll start with the gallery. We have a gallery on our first floor called um, the Square Halo Gallery. And we have a really um, great curator named Ned Bustard. He's a really talented artist and he curates the series for us. So roughly every other month we bring in a new exhibit. Um, and a lot of it, you know, is art that has something to do with the Christian faith, you know, or some semblance or influence of that excuse me um and he it's kind of like a subs maybe subsidiary might not be the word but square halo books and square halo gallery they're kind of uh linked so that's really neat we're open on first fridays um or by appointment you know where people can obviously check out the art when they come to a, another event and then we have uh we have several partners um that we partner with so square halo gallery is one um and then we also partner with the row house forum which think like um, TED Talks, but with snacks and a Q&A at the end. So it's a good time. Um, and Tom Becker is the founder of that. Um, and, you know, it's Lancaster. A lot of things are, are tied. He is actually used to be one of my high school teachers. So oh, wow. it, yeah, it's been it's just really fun. But he started this um, eh, probably almost 10 years ago, too, out of his row house in, in Lancaster City. And so it's really basically their motto is, you know, engaging ancient culture wait engaging ancient faith with current culture and so um they usually bring in a speaker once a month so that's a series that runs um usually in our gallery sometimes in our black box um and then we also so they they kind of curate those series you know and we just kind of open the building for them and obviously work with them um so i don't really have to find those and here, book those acts yeah <laughs> exactly we're like you're doing a really good job at this already so why don't you just do it here you know um, and then we also partner with Reverie Actors Company, who does um, usually some straight plays in our black box theater. And they, you know, we we do late or of late, we've been doing more like co-productions with them. So that's even a little bit more than, um, you know, the Row House, for example. It, it, it is a little bit more of like they're picking the show, but then we're really helping, you know, f f put the show up, let's say. But they're they're awesome. Um, and it's essentially a lot of sight and sounders who have been like, we want to do some theater outside of sight and sound as well, you know, and they kind of, that's kind of how it started. But then when it comes to like the concerts and all of that, that's usually what we're, you know, finding and booking and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's to be honest, the executive director does a lot of that, but we're a team. And so we, you know, we also help with a lot of that as well. Well, um, myself as the operations manager and, and our assistant, um, but it's neat. So, when you start a performing arts center, as I've learned, you know, you're just asking everybody, like, who do you know? Who should we bring? And you're trying to figure things out, right? Well, after the first season, we realized that the Great Hall, where we have most of our concerts, is quite acoustically live. Yes. <laughs> Probably <laughs> almost like a five-second delay. So because of that, um, there are some acts and genres that just don't translate well, jazz being one of them too many instruments in one room <laughs> being oh, yeah. difficult, you know, so you kind of learn and start catering um, to, oh, this, this doesn't sound as great as maybe this does. Um, so then you kind of get, you, you learn over years, like the rhythm. So we've learned that acapella works really well at the trust and sounds great and people love it. 
Um, string quartets, piano, solo voice, or a couple voices, all of that works really well at the truss. And generally, classical music does because, because it is so acoustic, you don't need a ton of microphones. Now, we do sometimes have some acts that you know want to use some microphones, but as far as finding them and booking them, you know, at first you start kind of reaching out and then people learn about you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, agents and stuff, they'll start reaching out to you. And one of the benefits I think we have with being in Lancaster is it's on the way to so many other large cities. So we get to pick up acts sometimes, like midweek, that are like, hey, we have a gig, you know, we're going from New York to DC. Can we pick up a concert on the way? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, well, conveniently, yes. And we're free. Let's do that. You know, so you, you you learn to be, there's a word for it that I'm blanking on right now, but maybe an en route concert. Maybe that's what they call it. But, but yeah, so we've kind of gotten to know some of the agents that we work with. We've worked with a lot of um, agencies with their artists and um, you kind of get to know the groups you like and, and this, the, 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 you know, the month that it works. So as right now we're planning for next season, um, you know, and we think, okay, Generally, we like to have acapella, you know, in November or December. So mm. who's, who are the like acapella groups out there right now? And who do we want to have? And then, you know, we reach out to their management, say, hey, do you have anybody? Or, hey, we're interested in having your group. I won't give away who we're talking to right now because it's a little bit of a secret right now. But like, hey, do you have, you know, is your group on tour in November or December or can we, can we talk basically? Right, right, right. Is, yeah. there, is there an opportunity here? Exactly. And so, you know, you go, kind of go back and forth. You identify a day. And then of course you have to talk about the money, <laughs> right? It's always that. And then, you know, the contract and you kind of tend to negotiate that a bit, especially the rider. Cause sometimes it's like, Hey, we're not gonna get you the specific grape flavor of seltzer water, but we'll, we'll get you seltzer water. You know, you kind of negotiate all those things. That was a really silly, small detail, but, and then you book them and you go, for, you know, everybody has to sign things. Then we go from there. So so yeah, we're kind of in that phase right now of of nailing down what next season's going to be looking like. So, and so how do you? <clears throat> what have past seasons looked like? How do you like? You mentioned that you you want uh, certain things for November and December, and then some some things in the spring. What has been that kind of like overarching uh, season look yeah. like? Yeah. Well, we are we are a small team, so. Whereas some people are having events like every day or whatever, as much as we'd like to do that, we just don't have the the manpower to do that at the moment. So we've kind of learned what we can kind of manage. And that's roughly like one concert a month. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a row house a month. Theater, it depends. It's a few times a year. So generally what we like to do is we like to do a season launch in the early September to give people a sneak peek of what's coming up for the season. And then usually we do our first concert early October. And that could be anything like um, last year in October, we had Eric Owens and Curtis on tour. Um, and he's a big, you know, opera star, uh, done things on the Met, all this it, beautiful concert. They did a wonderful job. And then, so October, we like to do sometimes that the year before that it was, um, well, the year before that was supposed to be Beijing guitar duo, and we pushed that off because of COVID, you know, but it depends. And then in November, um, we like to do acapella if we can, um, or we do another concert, it just depends. Um, last, last, this past November, we had um, King's Return, which is, was an acapella group. And then we also do usually like a, a several week run of the Line the Witch in the Wardrobe in partnership with Reverie Actors Company in our black box. So as you can see, there's a couple different things going on. Our team also helps with the, um, LBC musicals. 
that are uh, on campus as well. So that's the other thing you're juggling, right? Like, you know, we have to be sometimes two places at once. And so we're always trying to manage the schedule where hopefully it's not overlapping too much because of the size of our team. It does happen sometimes, but um, yeah. And then in Christmas or in December, we're also running the Lancaster Bible College Christmas concert as well. We're helping with the, you know, the box office for that and the house management for that. And um, in January, uh, we used to take a break. This year, though, we did a dance festival that was quite popular and a hit. Ooh. So hopefully we'll – oh, I, don't, I haven't even mentioned dance that much. By the way, everybody, we do dance <laughs> things <laughs> as well at the Trust. Um, shame on me. But, yeah, so we did a dance festival, which was really special, um, and that was a lot of fun. So, you know, we'll probably hopefully try to have, like, a several-week thing because we actually lay a dance floor out. It's not there all the time, and it's – actually quite time intensive, but uh, we lay a Marley floor on the, uh, we, you know, move the chairs, lay the Marley right. floor out. And then while it's out, we're like, let's all dance a lot <laughs> on this. Um, yeah. And then February, we tr sometimes we try to do like a Valentine's Day concert. And then March, we have um, a family that has given uh, an endowment essentially to, to the college to um, bring in an artist onto the campus here. So once a year, we try to do a big concert, the arts and culture series, like our team tries to do a big concert. At here on campus, though, somebody who we think we could sell more tickets to than 250, you know. Was well, that just the recent guy from The Voice? Yeah, yeah. So, so recently Jordan. we had Jordan Smith from The Voice. And um, another thing with that that arrangement, like the endowment, is the idea is they'll uh, do a master class or a QA or something with our students as well. Yes. Like that's part of it. So that's something I'm, I'm, I, I distinctly remember from all of my time at Lancaster Bible College was that anytime they were performing at the Frost on the and the trust on a thursday mm -hmm. you would probably be in class yes on friday exactly <laughs> yeah and that's you know that's that's part of it it's like why have an arts and culture series if we can't involve our students mm -hmm. so that's definitely a huge part of, of what we try to do which is um somehow connect them with our students via a master class you know we try to give the students very discounted or, or free tickets to come see them especially our music students of course um yes. so that they can be inspired and be like hey i'm striving for this like and we'll get around to that but i want to finish the season outlook oh guys. sure yes. um so march we tried to do a big um concert on campus as well and then april we usually do you know one more and sometimes in may and i haven't mentioned yet like we did start a few years ago another partnership with um, lancaster international piano festival so we've kind of been building that over the years as well and so I, I didn't necessarily mention all their concerts but it's kind of started becoming almost two concerts a month because with their help we're able to do um, a little bit more and they're the ones actually kind of programming that and we speak into it but it's mostly them that take it and run with it and sometimes it's a solo pianist sometimes it's a solo with like other chamber instruments so um in the last two years they've kind of closed out our season with a concert in may nice. so and so now let's get into how how uh the trust benefits the students as much as sure. the students can benefit the trust yeah absolutely well First of all, I'll just start a little bit further back. Like when I was a student and we got that, I said, like, no way. This is awesome. Because as somebody who's training classically, acoustically, we didn't have anywhere on campus <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like what we have no. at the Trust. So it was Not just. the bathrooms here. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, exactly. So the so getting the Trust, oh, my word, it was so thrilling. Because I was like, I get to do my senior recital there? That's amazing, you know? So. It's such a special place, and I love that we have it for those, uh, for our music students who are training, especially more classically, to be able to do their senior recitals there or have concerts there and perform there is so special. And I know that it means a lot to them. Um, we also 
um, have occasionally, hopefully we'll be building on this, um, like our students in our black box theater, our musical theater students to do straight plays. So we, I know we did um, a straight play in fall of 2021 called Radium Girls, Radium Girls yeah. there. So, so definitely we open up the building, um, you know, a lot to our students to be able to use with recitals and other things. Um, so, hey, I mean, I would say that's a huge benefit right there for yes, the students. Um, and then also our series is wanting to be able to ha- give them the opportunity to interact with artists as much as possible. So not only by encouraging them to come to the concerts and oftentimes, not every time, but many times there's like a little meet and greet with the artists afterward and they get to kind of pick their brains and talk with them a little bit there. But then as often as we can, having them to campus um, for a masterclass or, you know, a Q&A or, or, or something of the like um, so that they can just say, hey, I'm studying here. And it's easy sometimes when you're studying to look around and be like, oh, well, I'm doing okay. I'm I'm doing as well as the next guy that I'm studying with, you know, but you bring somebody in who's professionally doing this and it can open up your mind and your, you know, perspective to be like, oh, I still have a, I, I still have a lot to do though. I can still work hard and get. And not only that, but, uh, and I'll, I'll go a little bit on the tangent on Sandeep Das and Mike oh, Block. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. I love uh, them. <laughs> because they came to the campus, or uh, they came to the trust one time, and it, it's a cellist and uh, oh, a tabla player. Tabla player, yeah. Incredibly different instruments. Uh, that often, Who would have ever paired it together? Yeah, right? that often don't play together. So not only does it give the students an idea of, okay, if you're a trumpet player, you can also play with some some other completely random other instrument that you would have never ever thought of right who would have ever thought of a, of a cello and a tabla most of these people that i'm that I probably listen to this don't know what a tabla is yeah. look it up it's yeah. great think of like the little hand hand drums that you you know sit uh, on the floor with and do yeah uh but not like a bongo not like a djembe not like the not, not like the 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 automatic things that come into your head they're, mm-hmm. com- they're completely different pitch drums that are incredibly really cool to uh to play and the seeps being played. And um, I remember this distinctly because they were a, a really funny group. Yeah. <laughs> and they made some jokes, and I, I, I have a distinct laughter for those who don't <laughs> know. And uh, the next day, they came up and, and uh, did some of the same jokes, and, and they stopped midway during the, their concert here <laughs> at, uh, during their master class and said, who was that? You were there last <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, they gave me a lot of encouragement and said how much that my laughter uh, – uh, encourage them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were wonderful, and and that is that is one of the cool things you know about the acts. Sometimes we come, you know, we stumble across one, and it's like we have to have them here, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, I mean, I think that their masterclass with our students the next day was one of the more influential right. and impactful, or well, at least say memorable ones that that I I sat in on as well. Um, you know, the we had the Donald Sinta Quartet before as well. And I remember having an ex- a similar experience with like, it, it's four um, saxophonists. Oh. And I remember thinking, I had no idea that the saxophone could sound like this. Mm. Like, because sometimes, you know, just the pairings of things or whatever, it's just, it's it's shocking a little bit in it, a good way. Yeah, it's stuff you don't think about. Right. Especially as a, as, a, as a classically trained musician that is used to this certain arrangement, this certain of lineup. And mm-hmm. then to see that, oh, we're no longer in we're no longer in classical times, right? And we can see what things can be what things can be done, or yeah, with a, yeah, with a little creativity and and a little bit of thinking, yeah, <laughs> a exactly, lot of thinking. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. So it's it, I I love that we get to 
honestly, it's one of my favorite things about my job that we get to provide opportunities for our students. And heck, I like the opportunities too to get to learn from them and grow from them and meet them, you know, but to provide opportunities to for the students to be inspired and encouraged. And we get great acts like Voges Eight came in one time for yes. the obviously uh, choir through yeah. the chorale. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the chorale and the chamber singers and and it's just I mean every time I watch them work with students I'm learning things you yeah. know it and doesn't it, matter how old you are you're like oh wow yeah and, and even as a person who who doesn't do singing as a as a thing mm-hmm. I I went and learned a lot of stuff that I would yeah. have never known of otherwise yeah it's so special and. Yeah, I think we've had, we, they've actually, we've probably had Vote to Say as our acapella group almost the most of any, they're just fantastic, almost the most of anybody. Well, if they come back, let me know. Well, I, <laughs> I'll keep you, I'll keep you on the, I'll keep you on the download, Corey, or uh, I'll keep you on the, whatever, not down, whatever. down low, but I'll keep you informed, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what are some of the, so, the, uh, we are a Christian institution here, mm-hmm. how do you keep that in line with uh, the trust? I, that's a great question, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so much we could say. One of the things that our team specifically, and and one of my visions when I'm leading, you know, my team, because I have some student workers that work for me as well and help me run the events, which Mm -hmm. is another cool part of my job, getting to know some students better. But one of my goals is, and one of the things that, you know, is is important to me and my team, is I want us to be the most hospitable people that they ever encounter. In the industry. A lot of these people are not Christians themselves. (laughs) Many of them are not. Um, Yeah. And so just, you know, we're always praying, you know, Lord, if you give us an opportunity to say something, may we we be faithful in that and may we be able to encourage them. Um, But another thing that, you know, I'm just really involved in is, is the hospitality end of things. And so not only can we be a light to them, can we be an encouragement to them, but like my goal is for us to be the most welcoming, kind, hospitable people that they experience in the industry and venue that they experience in the industry. And um, I know that there are times that they've, they've said things that have encouraged me that like, we are, you know, doing that or as well as we can. Um, But yeah, I mean, not that you can ever grow in that, but I I want them to leave um, the trust and whether we had the opportunity to, to legitimately talk about the Lord or not, which sometimes does come up and we have had some cool opportunities. I want them to leave and say, at the very least, leave and say there was something different about that place. There was something different about those people. Um, and I want to come back. Yes, and I want to come back. And the way that they cared for us while we were there, the way that they provided for us, the way that they you know, loved us, um, there was just something different about that. So that it at least gets them thinking, you know, and wondering and curious about um, what, what was it that was different about them, you know, and hopefully gets them thinking about that. Um, but yeah, I, I love the opportunity to just, you know, as the, I, I'm forgetting the scriptural reference because, well, frankly, I often forget scriptural reference, but the one that says, you know, outdo one another in showing honor. And mm-hmm. that is always, that is always my goal. And that's my, t- you know, I always put that on my team. Like, this is our goal, right? Like I want them leaving, feeling very well cared for. And so what, what, I know you can't speak much into the next season, but what, what are we looking at in the future? Oh yeah. So well, you can be you can be prepared for some uh, acapella again, which is exciting. Um, you know, ho- hopefully we'll have the line the witch in the wardrobe again, which is such a crowd favorite, especially among you know families and, and young young kids. And um, you can you'll you'll see some piano again. You'll see some chamber groups again. 
Um, and we're also working with, uh, you know, another relationship that hopefully will blossom a lot next year that has to do with my first love, which is singing and voice and classical voice, particularly in art songs and, and opera. So working on something special with that as well. And you have some upcoming performances as a part of this season, too. We do. Yeah, we have a few left. We have, um, aside from the senior recitals, we'll help to host uh, this month. We're also hosting the Dali Quartet out of Philadelphia. And I am I'm excited about every concert usually, but I am very excited about this one as well, because basically they've they've done a good job at trying to bridge um, Western classical music with Latina with like Latin American music um, as well. So they're going to do like kind of some of that. So they're going to do some Villa Lobos. They're going to do some Ramirez. So think like tango string quartet music, right? It's going um, to be a lot of fun. They're also going to do some Tchaikovsky as well, because, you know, why not? Yeah, so. <laughs> we, we love it. Um, so I'm really excited for that concert. That'll be April 22nd, uh, you know, at 3 p.m. But just excited to have them. And they're just lovely human beings. So I'm excited to just host them as well. And then um, Langston International Piano Festival will wrap up our concert portion of our series, at least, on May 5th with a um, chamber group called the Gabriel Chamber Ensemble. So that'll be basically a string quartet with Shun Pan, um, the founder of Langston International Piano Festival, on the keys yeah. <laughs> or on the piano. And so we're going to go into a time of, of questions that I like to ask all my guests. So if you, mm -hmm. if anybody watching has a question for, for, for you, you can make sure to leave that in the comments. So the first question I have out of, because there's got to be some stories. <laughs> uh, every dancer, every musician has all these stories. What is one of the funniest or worst things that ever happened to you on stage? Ooh. Okay, so now this is going back. Can I go back to middle school? Is that too far? <laughs> middle school is probably the, the one time where <laughs> it's middle it school. Happens. There's always some stories there, right? I was in this show um, at, uh, it wasn't through Effort of Performing Arts Center, also known as EPAC. If you're like local, you might know that. Um, but it was through like a different traveling drama company. I honestly forget the name now, but um, but we were we were renting out the space. So we were at EPAC performing in their, you know, space um and i remember i was supposed to be on stage because i had a few lines in the scene and i was supposed to you know cross over and 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 basically enter through the house and come down on the stage from like house right you know stage left and i literally um there wasn't much there wasn't much like light um it backstage i i literally got trapped backstage just in tons of props i was like panicking i was like I couldn't find I couldn't find my way to the exit actually. So funniest thing on stage, really, I missed it. Actually, I said, "Oh my word, my line is coming any minute." Like I'm supposed to be out there to say my lines, and they're coming any minute. And I I I was trapped backstage in a dark backstage. I just remember the feeling of panic, like, "Oh my word, I'm not gonna make it out. I can't find my way." And um, you know, by the next show, they had more lighting backstage, so it, it wasn't an issue anymore. But you know, now it's funny. I. It, you know, the the girl who said her line, you know, after me realized all this and oh my word, she's not on stage and and she covered okay for me. So, you know, it all worked out. But I just remember that being like, Oh this, my word. This I, is the worst moment yeah, of my entire life. I'm actually trapped. Like I actually couldn't get out. I don't even know where the exit is, you know. But that's one that comes to mind. The other the other one is I went through a small stage in, in college where I was way too confident in my ability to make up lyrics on the supply. Oh, really? And so I think what it did is you know, I I, I like to think I got over this, but I think what happens is when you're too confident in your ability to do that, you don't always maybe prepare as well as you should. Because mm -hmm. like, oh, I can make it up if I forget this lyric. So there was definitely a song or two. I won't say when. Not that anyone can take my degree from me now. But 
um, where I, I definitely forgot the lyrics on stage and, and had to make them up, you know, in this, in the spot, which, you know, if you're in a different language, not so hard unless someone or not so maybe obvious always, except for the singers in the room who know the song, you know, yeah, or, right. the, or the or Italian the lyrics, or French yeah. speakers. Right. But, but there was also those moments. And I was glad when I, I was like, you're going to, you know, you need to get past this phase in your life. You know, you need to make sure you're so prepared so you don't forget the lyrics. But yeah. We talked about a little bit uh, about this beforehand, but you're starting to get into French. Yes. Why? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, Italian, I will say, is my first love as far as language. I studied some Spanish in, in high school, but Italian is just the language I want to know. But I actually work as well, um, as if I need more to do, right? But uh -huh. um, part-time for a French bakery here in Lancaster City called uh, Bistro Barbare and Bakery. And I've been there for over six years, just on a part-time basis. Uh, I, you know, I picked it up because I was like, I want to get out of debt a little quicker, you know, college debt or whatever. So picked it up. And had I, I thought I would be there maybe six months. Had I known I would be there six years and counting, I absolutely would have started French right away. Um, because I think I could have been fluent because I would have had opportunities to practice it, you know, and speak it with um, a lot of my coworkers. Here. Well, you wouldn't know. I learned how many French um, people actually are living in this area by working there. Because wow. as you might imagine, they go to it because they can. French. It's French. <laughs> it makes it reminds them of home, for example, and gives them a place where they've met other French people and can, you know, speak French. Spot. Exactly. Yeah. The community. So. um so anyway, I was feeling really kind of down about this last year. I said, D you know, darn it. I really wish I had started French then and maybe I could have been fluent and I feel like I missed an opportunity in life. And then I said, you know what, rather than be sad about that, I'm just going to start it now. So I've started learning French a little bit on the side. I'm like three months in, you know, I, I really can't say much. Uh, je suis Ariella, you know, <laughs> right, 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 right. but it's been it's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so it, it, what a great outlook to have on that because I know so many people that were like, oh, if I had just done it then, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. There's no point in starting now. Yeah. Uh, there's always a point in starting now. Yes. There's always a point in starting whenever. Yeah, that's encouraging to me because I almost let that mentality make me not start. But I said, right. you know what? I might have missed six years, but like just start now. I'm not going to miss another day. Exactly. So start it now. Yeah, so I've been getting to talk just a little bit here and there with my boss, who is French. You know, she's from Lyon, France. Yeah. And so, you know, I've started to be able to talk a little bit more with her, in it, and it's encouraging. So. so you've been able to have a chance to work with students a lot of uh, for the past few years. What are, what are some of the biggest pieces of advice that you could give to these students now? Oh, that, I love – these are good questions, Corey. I see why you're so good at this. <laughs> um I mean, there's there's so much. I would, I, I, a few things that come to mind at the moment. I would say enjoy this time in your life, you mm -hmm. know. Rarely ever again, p potentially, um, are you going to have the same time available to you to to just study and pour yourself into your work. And to experiment. And to experiment. I think Without that's, much consequence. Yes, that's one of the beauties of the college years. And then I would say also a lot of your 20s, you know, you you kind of can still take that into it. But enjoy this time because life is busy now, but believe it or not, it actually does continue to get busier as well, you know, especially um, if people, you know, choose families or depending on the, you know, the career they end up getting into. So enjoy this time that you have and really pour yourself into it, like, like work as hard as you can to become the best thing you can um, at, at, your, at your craft. 
because you have time to do it now in a way that you're not going to have again. I was going to say the, the time to invest in yourself is now. Exactly. Because you're going to see all of that pay off into your 30s and 40s. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and start building connections, too, is what oh, I would absolutely. say, too. That's why I started this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Connections are really what get you jobs. I mean, it I does. think we all joke about this. It's a saying for a reason, but it's not what you know. It's who you know. But that's mm -hmm. there's a lot of truth to that. And I think so I would say that like pour yourself into it as hard as you can, you know, and then the other thing I would say is do not compare yourself and um, your journey with somebody else's right compare yourself to where you were in the past. And and I, I, I see I see the danger it can create and the, the problems it can create. And then also I can I see the, the joy it can bring if someone is choosing not to do that. Um, yeah, because I, I that was that was somewhat of a problem here uh for for me at least because mm -hmm. i i came into this class of of quite frankly star-studded people right. um uh, i came with zach fernback uh matt oh who's that who's that who's the guy matt uh last name married to brianna Oh, uh, Wilhelm. Wilhelm. Mm -hmm. Matt Wilhelm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fantastic singers. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic dancers. And I felt like I was a nobody here. Mm -hmm. And I was I was roommates with Matt Cross, one of the best drummers. I feel like he's fantastic. And yeah. this college has seen in a while. Yeah. At least. And um and now I see I see myself back then. I was comparing myself to other people. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, who am I to be here? Mm -hmm. But then here I am, not you know, a few years later, I'm an award-winning podcast host. I'm an award-winning composer now. And uh, so much more has been uh, opened up to me. And if I had compared myself as deeply as some people do, mm -hmm. I would have quit. Absolutely. And and you wouldn't be doing what the Lord has put in, you right. know, has designed you and created you to do. And like sometimes it takes time to figure out your exact niche. And you, you haven't, as we literally talked about, you mm -hmm. haven't found that by college yet. You're still exploring and experimenting. But but the thing that, of course, you know, my mom used to always say this one statement that I never forgot, which is comparison breeds contempt. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so true. I think it's. And you know what it does, too? It makes you depressed sometimes or it makes you sad and you don't want to work hard. Then when really, if you would just stop comparing yourself and go into the and do your own thing, yeah, go into the studio space and practice, then you're too keep yourself so busy practicing and growing the talents that and skill that the Lord has given you. Um. Keep yourself so busy doing that that you don't even have time to compare. You know, that's yeah. what. I, and you'll find yourself that you'll outshine those people in certain ways that yeah. you were meant to be. Yeah, because, you know, we're each created for something different. And, yes. and so we need to grow the skills and talents um, that the Lord has given us because he's given it to us for a reason and not to somebody else. And however much he's given us, he wants us to be faithful with and to steward well. And so that's a, definitely something I'm always trying to encourage students with is is listen, you couldn't be them even if you tried. You know why? Because you're not. And this is an advice that Dr. Bagley gave me when he was on the show. Mm -hmm. um, don't be something you're not. Mm -hmm. Be what you are. Yes, exactly. And, that, that... and be the best what you are as you possibly Absolutely. can. You know? Um, yeah, so that's – and, you know, it's not, it's not just a lesson, too, that we don't need when we get out of college sometimes, too. It's a lesson we need all the time. It's a lesson we need all the time, you know? The, you know, where, where is the Lord put you and are you being faithful there and growing and learning and being the best you can in that? And everybody's journey is different, you know? So, so I have a few more questions for you and, and, um, I like to ask all my, uh, brothers and sisters in faith, what is worship to you? Just here with the questions, man. Good one, Corey. 
You know, I do think worship doesn't start and end in a worship service, let's call it, or um, it is it, our whole life, you know? Um, I think that how we live our life, how we honor the Lord in what we're doing, how we work the best that we can um, in in doing what he's given us to do. I think all of that is a part of worship and in is, you know, worshiping our creator by honoring and stewarding the gifts he gave us. I think that that is a way of worship. I think um, loving others well is is a, is a form of worship as well. I, I don't know if somebody else has this like really strict, you know, definition of worship and if they're going to be like, who is she? She shouldn't even be working at LBC. Where's Ryan but, Shank? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I, I do think that, y- yes, you can, you know, get together and you can sing songs and, you you know, a, a worship service, it's called, of course, that's worship. But I also don't think it ends there. I think how we live our lives is also a form of worship to our, our creator. So then let me, let me, uh, let me rephrase the question. Okay. Where do you find yourself more, most in tune of God? Oh, that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To be honest, I do think when I am am doing something to the best of my ability and I know that I'm giving my all toward it and I also know it's what he's called me to do, I feel like I'm worshiping a lot Mm. in the most, almost. Like when it's, it's, it's it's also there's, I think, gratitude in that as well, right? Like, thank you, Lord, for, for giving me these gifts and helping me to see that this is where you want me, helping me to believe that this is where you want me. And giving me the, you know, the energy and the the courage to do it. Um, so I think there for sure. And then I also, you know, I love I love worshiping through song. Probably not Respect. a surprise. <laughs> um, and I do think being in nature also um, and, and recognizing for me all the things, flowers is a, is a good way for me to realizing like he literally could have made this world so drab, but he didn't because he loves us, you know. And so, so nature helps remind me, especially it's springtime, right? Like. He could have made trees that did not blossom, but he's, he, he was like, you know what? This is going to bring them joy and I can do this. I'm going to make trees blossom, many trees. And this, it's just a, such a gift when you recognize that so much of life is a gift and could have been different, but isn't because he loves us. It, 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 I think it helps encourage gratitude. And I think that's how I love to worship too. It's just choosing to be grateful and seeing the good in so much of what he's done. Yes, it's a broken world still, but there's still um, a lot of his fingerprints on it, you know? So last question, where can people find you in the trust? Yes, you can find us at the trust. I hope you do come out to a concert or a show or a dance thing or a forum. Um, But yeah, you can find the trust at 37 North Market Street in Lancaster. We're right near, we're right beside Dipka, if you know the dispensing company, and we're right near Central Market. So that's where you can find me at events. I'll be there. (laughs) Um, And then you can... uh, find me at LBC as well as musicals and things. You can find me online at um, Ariella Hoover is my Facebook name. Send me a friend request if you want or pick my brain about something. If there's something I said you want me to go deeper into Um, on Instagram, I'm L Hoover, E-L-L Hoover. Um, But yeah, you can find me running events here. You can find me at the French bakery if you want. I know this is often, this is really like a music thing, but hey, they have really good desserts if you want. The French are known for their pastries. Yes, they are. And for good, there's a, let's just say there's a reason I'm also still there after six years. It's delicious. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to, you know, chat more if you, if you want to chat more. I love people. So. And if you're a, a student here at LBC and you want to go see these performances, just know they are half off for all students here. Mm-hmm. And for music, MWPA students, I believe it's half off of half off. And you're yeah. trying to get these next two shows free. Yes. Yeah. For MWPA students, we're the, the next two will be free. And then for LBC students, the next 
two shows are basically 75% off the adult ticket price. So there's, we're trying to make it as, as accessible as possible. So does that extend to alumni at all? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk then. We'll talk. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can also find me at the box office. If you're an OBC student, come say hi. I'm right there off the, we all know you have to go to chapel and I'm my office. <laughs> my main office is the box office right in the chapel lobby. So come say, Hey, come ask about the discounts if you want, um, or shoot me an email, you know, box office at lbc.edu. So. Well, with all that said, my name is Corey Rose, and this has been the Story Podcast. You can find more about me at CoreyRoseOnProductions.com. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N-Productions.com, where you can find out about my personal projects, as well as the Story Podcast and all past 140-something episodes that I've had and will continue to have. Tomorrow, I have on Dustin LeBlanc from West Shore Theater. He is the executive producer over there. And he's done a lot of other cool things in the theater world and managing. So we're going to be continuing in the admin side over over there. Nice. And then this Saturday, we're going to be having Colt Wilbur of the uh, Saturday or Sunday. So I think it's a Sunday that we're having Colt Wilbur. Um, he's a, a country artist from the area. And I'm really excited to have him on uh, to talk about all things country. So with all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. And we will see you guys later. Bye. Thank you. Bye.